Odyssey Richmond is the number one shop for all college basketball fans. We've got you covered. WRVA for UVA Hoops, 96-1 for Virginia Tech, WRNL for your VCU Rams. Midday host on WRNL 910 The Fan, Adam Epstein and his VCU alum friends will discuss the VCU basketball program weekly with insight, analysis, and interviews. This weekly podcast will be the answer for all Virginia Commonwealth Hoops fans. Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! Call it! And this is the Black and Gold Fan Podcast. Welcome back, Ram Nation, to another episode of the Black Gold Fan Podcast. I'm Adam Epstein here for Season 2, Episode 11, and as always, joined by my good friends and diehard fans of Ram Nation, the Professor Chris Mason, our historian Connor Bailey, and the stat monster Caleb Jones. What's up, Adam? What's going on, dude? Not much. Connor, how are you? Two-game win streak. Uh, I mentioned I might be mad coming into this pod, and I'm not mad, even though technicality, I should be a tad 50% mad. But, hey, we won two straight games. Great environments at the studio the last week, and um, I'm feeling good this uh, this Wednesday of the pod. It's a four-game win streak. Uh, yeah, excuse me. Uh, two-game homestand. Yeah, yeah four-game win streak. You're, you're correct. Yeah, cutting us in half, Connor. How yeah. about that? Of course, we are proudly presented by River City Roll. Don't say River City Roll is just a bowling alley. It is one of Richmond's top entertainment scenes in Scott's edition with live music, a chef-inspired menu, heated outdoor patio, and also boutique bowling. Some of the best live entertainment Friday and Saturday night with no cover. We were out there after a win celebrating with some victory beers. Yeah, finally made it out. It was a good time seeing you guys out in the wild. Yeah, Caleb got after it. It felt like we were in Brooklyn, Chris. Yeah, he, he's got a good time to hang out with, the rare occurrence as we see him. But um, what was the band cover you liked that they were doing? Oh, I, I don't know. Was it the Zeppelin? band? Was it Led Zeppelin? Yeah, that was yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, but, you were rocking out. It was pretty fun. Yeah. I love Zeppelin. Yeah, was it like a whole sense. lot of lovers? What were they playing? Honestly, little I, black dog. I can't remember. We were just <laughs> sit, we were sitting really close to the stage, and it wasn't like the greatest spot to be talking VCU basketball. It was the great spot to be listening to the music, yeah. right? And that's what Caleb uh, was doing. And uh, hopefully, we'll be back at River City Roll for another victory this weekend as the Rams travel to face off against Davidson. But first, we recap the two home wins at the Stew, starting with. St. Louis and Caleb, I want to throw it to you here with this. The individual defensive effort by Max Scholga was a 10 out of 10. Yeah, he's really turned it on. He's uh, really fighting through through picks. Um, and I, you know his, his intensity on the defensive end it just seems very different than it was earlier in the season. And I think it's probably because he's a little more fresh. Um, he's getting a, you know more of a break with Bamisil playing a prominent role, especially offensively. So, uh, yeah, I think Shulga's really cracked down on the defensive end and it's uh, paid some some good dividends. Gibson Jimerson, like we mentioned in the last pod, is one of the best three-point shooters in the conference. Uh, there was a guy in the row behind me who uh, think I, if I never watched basketball before, I would have understood what he was saying. He kept saying, got to guard Jimerson, got to guard Jimerson. <laughs> <And I> was, <laughs> it was cracking me up, but he got one three-point attempt off, and it was in the first half, and it was kind of awkward. Um, our three-point defense was elite. They were, they were only 420 from three for a, a solid shooting. I mean, we, I told you they were a top 100 offense. Uh, so our defense was great. Uh, the crowd was rocking. Uh, one stat, you know, if you guys remember last spot, I mentioned stats for SLU and Loyal. For the SLU game, I said 
St. Louis is awful at turning teams over. Yeah. Um, so we need to be less than 10 turnovers. We had nine. So that is halfway there on my happiness. Uh, and it, it some of them were kind of late, kind of just – I'd kind of forgotten about the turnovers, honestly, but uh, no, it was a great game. Joe Bam was unlocked on Friday night. I mean, he was he he was in heat check mode. He had one of those threes he had, like he just got the roll. And and shooters, when they're on a roll, they get the roll. We, we you know, I've been there. I can't speak for you guys, but I've I've been in those situations. Where I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm just feeling it, and the ball just goes in. But that was Joe Bam Friday night. This too. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, he it was, was an incredible game. Yes, yeah, seven to ten from three. So amazing um, to have him back. The, the defense on Gibson Jamerson, it wasn't always Max Scholl, but to me it felt like Odom you know, grabbed him, put him in a room, and said, hey, either Gibson Jamerson's the best guard in this conference or you are who's going to show up tonight. And it kind of felt like it was a personal thing. Um, from speaking with the coaching staff, they had a really good game plan on Jamerson to make sure that they ran him off that three-point line with a ton of help. Right, They were switching screens, and basically the plan was – you can't have any breakdowns because he's a guy that if there's a breakdown and he's open, he'll hit that three, and then he's going to have a few where it's like, oh, well, what are you going to do? That's just too good. But if you, as long as you have a high hand, a hand in his face, there's a chance he's going to miss, and that was a really good game plan. Yeah, we said it in the preview. You just have to know where he is at all times, and the team followed that that uh, that scouting report to a T. So I was, you know, I was happy to see that we just totally shut him down. So much of St. Louis's offense is getting him an open look, and then if he's open, then he passes it, and all of a sudden it's like a three-on-two fast break kind of thing. Yeah, uh, definitely. I felt like they seemed very defeated once <laughs> once they weren't getting their their main guy going. Um, I mean, you know, twenty-one from Sincere Parker. I guess you know you can live with that. And then he wasn't Har- on my scouting report. No, no. <laughs> but and then Hargrove, um, you know. Their second leading score with ten points. Everyone else is just in the low single digits. Um, just a great defensive effort from the entire team. And uh, you know, I think you see some other guys stepping up defensively too. Two uh, K, Bearstow, uh, Firm, and Toby with some sick blocks uh, made top ten yet again. I think that's the third time this season. So yeah, I mean, the, uh, defensively we've looked great over the last four. I think so. Um, very, very promising to see. Yeah, shout out to Janelle. His first start with Zeb out. Um, great defense there. Also, Bearstow had that um, good fast breaks, uh, like Euro step and the dunk too. And uh, even Connor Odom got in. So yeah, I, I liked the way we started that game, going downhill, drawing fouls. Your point guard Jason Nelson drew six fouls in the game and also got to the free throw line uh, and, and hit a couple. And look, finished the game with thirteen points, two assists. Uh, and a steal, uh, but really blown away by the six fouls drawn, Connor. Uh, Janelle got put in a situation. You know, it was Friday, probably about 5 o'clock, we learned that Zeb was out with back spasm still. Uh, so, Janelle, you know, I, I'm a believer in next man up. Um, when you have a deep team, uh, you, you have to have the next man up mentality, and he, he came ready to play for sure. Uh, another stat I'd like to point out, you know, the last few games, uh, George Mason a little bit, mainly LaSalle, uh, it was kind of Bearstow being the point forward we, we were kind of sold on last spring. 10.6 assists against uh, against St. Louis um, and uh, zero turnovers to point point out. But, I mean, Mr. Sl- Mr. Utah slam dunk champion, I mean, just going coast to coast. And it was one of those, I was like, oh, he's got a lot of like, – oh, okay, he just dunked that ball. What the heck? So, uh, Bears had a good game. Great environment, uh, beating slew, and it felt good on a Friday Friday night, the first, the first Friday 10 game for VCU, just kind of – waxing a team that you know i know it's been 12 years since slew you know was our original rival in the a10 but uh it's always fun to beat uh beat st louis absolutely and then i want to uh 
Mentioned Michael Bell, another game with double-digit minutes, 18 minutes, making the most of them. Four points, really good defense, uh, grabbed two rebounds. Caleb, do you remember, was he shutting out Hargrove, or who was he defensively matched up on? Yeah, I mean, you know, Michael Bell, he bounces around all over Honestly, the place. I, I, like, I, I even think he probably guarded Meadows at one point. Yeah, totally. Um, I think he guarded Jemerson. I think he guarded Hargrove. Um, I mean, he's he, he can guard literally one through five. Um, so uh, definitely useful to have him on the defensive end. And, you know, his, his box score isn't uh, it's not going to blow you away, but he's making all the glue guy plays out there for us. So he's, he's a critical piece of this team. Fun win. It was awesome. And it was fun that we got two straight games against teams, teams in the central time zone. And, uh, hey, we won both of these games. So yeah. that's, that's the fun part. <laughs> and I do think that that St. Louis game was our best start-to-finish game offensively, defensively, transition offense, transition defense. Um, it was an all-around, probably our best effort of the season. Uh, you score 80-plus, you hold the team to just 61. Really great stuff. And then uh, last night, Loyola Chicago comes into the Seagull Center 5-1 and one in conference play. Only one other game ever against VCU last year in Chicago. So their first time in the Seagull Center. Good environment and a good win. Yeah, um, you know we really that was a, a grind of a game, and uh, I was really proud to pull that one out. Um, you know, obviously Joe Bamisil again. That's <laughs> that's the headline. Um, he's averaging twenty seven points over the last two games. Yeah, and just going going crazy from deep, and uh, you know uh, six rebounds from him too. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was really I was really impressed with the defense down the stretch, particularly in the second half. I want to say they were almost fifty percent from the floor. In the first, uh, I'd have to check the box score again. But then the second half, we totally clamped them. Two points I want to make. Adam, was it you that said Joe Bam was going to go off in these two games last pod? I think I might have. Yeah. yeah uh, oh, yeah, because he was one for his last ten yeah. on the previous spot. You said you said he was going to go off, and he did. Well, Chris in our in our group text thread has been saying more Joe Bam, more Joe Bam. Yeah, yeah uh, you he's said been like, right about that. Yeah, last week I I kind of got my wish. Unfortunately, I was like, I want Joe Bam starting, even though he didn't start, and I take out Zeb, and then. Zeb didn't play, but yeah, we all like Joe Bam. Love to see more of him. Well, the Keep more going. he plays, the more he scores. He, any game this season that he's played 20 minutes, he's had double digit points. And, you know, you knew it was eventually going to fall. He's a volume shooter. He's got a really good looking shot, right? Like, it's not pure. It's not like what the basketball gods design you to shoot like, but it looks good and it goes he, in. He, to me, he's got a Ray Allen shot where he shoots at the very top of his jump, which, I mean, I would think that's hard to repeat. But, I mean, not for him. I right. mean, it, it works. Um, there's not a ton of arc on that shot because he gets up so high. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, obviously, it's, it's working for him. Two points I want to make about last night's game. So, uh, first off, Joe Bam. I mean, he, he's unlocked these last two games, shooting 5-8 from three. Big play. You know, we, we, you know, we had a good first 12 minutes of that game. And then, la- then from about the eight-minute mark to about the two- or one-and-a-half-minute mark, Kind of slept walk. We had well, we had well. breakdowns defensively. Yeah, just, Jazz Watkins, I think had like two. Or, Watson had like two or three uh, layups. And our dunks. offense just didn't wasn't moving that well. But uh, the big play, you know, it's thirty six thirty with what was it, about four seconds left yeah. uh, after yeah. after yeah. Uh, it was a VCU turnover, a VCU missed shot, whatever it was. Loyola calls a timeout, brings in Tom Welch, who barely uh, he played a fair amount last year, who does not play this year. Yeah. Comes in there, throws a Kihei Clark way far past, past Austin. <laughs> I mean, Quani catches it. I think he takes one dribble, finds Bam. Who It was almost like a receiver that kind of gets turned around on a cornerback. He kind of had to like, move around. The uh, defender kind of went past him. He shoots a three, and he got it off. He had a good view of it. But that's a that was 
a potential you know five to six point swing Loyola could have gotten a two or three there instead they don't score and we hit a three so all of a sudden we had some momentum so that's the first thing I want to say about Joe Bam got, got a big momentum mover Caleb was mentioning mentioning some um, offensive or some defensive stats so a couple things I want to point out Loyola came into the game shooting 50 percent from two 52 percent from two good stat Held, VCU held Loyola to 25 to 60 from twos. That's 41%. VCU locked down in the second half shooting twos. Loyola, that's something Loyola does pretty well. Uh, another another defensive stat, but this is for Loy- on Loyola's side. Loyola entered the VCU game ranked first in the A10 in defense, defensive efficiency. Six games, decent sample size. That's a third of your conference games. We scored 74 points on them. We dropped them all the way to third in that game. Again, it's still a little early, but that showed that, hey, we were scoring against a good defense. Last point I want to make, um, I mentioned last – so I mentioned the slew turnover stat. Uh, I mentioned last week, VCU, Loyola needs to turn the ball over 10 times. Yeah. It was only nine. So, you know, I'm not all the way happy. I'm not angry because we got the win, though. But we made Loyola turn the ball over because they're a turnover prone team. Yeah. And and we had a a bunch of fast break points, 16 fast break points. So even though we didn't force as many turnovers as you may have wanted, we got out in transition. Bama still had that big dunk in the second half. I mean, such an unbelievable play uh, right before the half. Connor, he caught it. And his first dribble was behind the back. It I was mean, pretty. Like, mm-hmm. Caleb, growing up play basketball, that's so hard to do. Not just catch dribble behind the back, but then square your feet towards the basket after that. Yeah, it was a super smooth move. I mean, he did all that in, you know, fraction of a second. Too. And he I did mean, it, was, like, got behind the line real quick. He, right. like, looked Yeah, towed the line. Yeah. And yeah. Launch. Yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, uh, another guy I want to – did you have something else? Yeah, I wanted to point out the fact that we were 9 of 15 from the three-point line. Kwani Kwani, 3 of 3. We do not win that game without him. We've That's said it. that several times this year. Bama still 5 of 8. Shulga, typical 1 of 3. You know, he's going to be around 33, maybe higher. And then Jason Nelson missed a shot. But that was the only four guys that shot. And 9 of 15, just an incredible percentage from the three-point line. Yeah, I mean, again, the hot shooting continues, which is great to see. And it's coming from guys that haven't been the normal, you know, Kwani's been on a pretty good hot streak for a while now. But Bama still, in these last two games, giving us these these point totals is just such a shot in the arm. Um, so that's huge because it's it, it's it's a huge relief for Max Shulga, the absences of absence of Zeb. JNL doesn't have to carry a huge scoring load. So uh, you know we're not a we're not a big threat scoring in the paint. So this is what we have to do. But uh, you know we're making up for it. Um, and then on the flip side of that, holding your opponent two games in a row, four for twenty from three, twenty percent. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you know that defense from LaSalle from George Mason. That's carrying over, and to me, it shows that it shows that it's sustainable. Because I mean, if we can play that kind of defense, and then you know we have depth offensively, it's gonna be a dangerous team. I think Ryan Odom said it in the press conference that we were both at um, after the St. Louis victory, where they had a team meeting and they said, "We're gonna lose games. We're not gonna lose because of defense anymore." Right, and, and that's kind of the vibe that I'm seeing. Glad yeah, we- he was like, "That's not acceptable. Like this has to change," and they locked in since. I'm glad the team came together after because that was a bummer loss. You know that that, that home GW loss stunk, and uh, they clearly came together and they've won four straight since then. And and you mentioned so on that thought. Remember our, our texting chain right before we played St. Bonaventure, uh, before the A10 play. I said I, I have us going five and one our first six games. We have to go four and two if we want to compete in this conference. We're four and two right now. I'm confident we're going to be com- competing for a uh, top four spot now. Yeah, no, so. that's awesome. All right, let's get to. The crowd ratings each week on the show. Each of us get our own segment. Now we hand it off to the professor, Chris Mason. Time's up, and the professor has arrived at classes with grades in hand. We're going to have recess all the time. Woo! How rowdy was the stew last night? 
Here to grade the crowd's performance, it's Chris Mason, Crowd Rating. So winter break was over. I was, I'm going to stop grading on a curve um, like I did all, <laughs> all winter break. Yeah, this is the real thing. I was going to be a harsh grader, but um, I was excited all day, like Friday night game, even though SLU isn't good. I was still super into it, and when I walked in, I got the same buzz in the atmosphere. It's like a no pun intended, like throwback in a time machine to the 2000s. And that it was a great themed night. Um, I saw Pav walking around with his two yeah. kids. Like Ryan's back as the band leader. Um, there's just, yeah, a lot of good vibes in there. Um, I love the iPod thing on the commercial. There's that was like, cool. Yeah. Th- like people went wild for Party in the USA, Miley. There's some other bangers they did every year. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I was on the like, middle school bus, listened to the radio at like 7 a.m. Um, got super loud for Joe Bam coming back. Like he's kind of the new Shriver. Like when he gets the ball, everyone's like, oh, him and Toby are like the electric ones when either of them are with the ball. Um, so yeah, the fake shot clock again, that got the, um, slew in the first half. So Love just, it. yeah, that's an A, easy A. I agree with you. I mean, the bucket mm-hmm. hats were awesome. The decades, decades night was done to perfection. And I think they, they realized something that, you know, these Gen Zers, these kids are 18, 19 right now. They love themes. And I love themes in college. Connor, what was that party we did? Loggers and joggers one night, right? Yeah, all, like, all, 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 loggers and joggers. Uh, I went to a duck calls and overalls party. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, theme parties were awesome, and the Siegel Center was a party for that game against St. Louis. Friday night. I felt like it was the place to be. It was like a Friday night thing to do, and people treated it as such. I, I hear you on that. Uh, Chris, can I have a comment about the 2000s night real quick? Um, of course. So I was with my wife, Morgan, and... Um, she uh, she mentioned so this is you know 2024 and she was like when we were in school we were, we were all in school uh, well Caleb was a couple years older than us but we were the the three of us plus Morgan were in school in the 2000 teens and she was like if we would have done a decades night when we were in school it would have been a 90s night and yeah I was like, it's like dang yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly because like I was like well, I feel old because I was I mean we were in school 10 years ago I was like if we would have been a 90s night man that isn't that crazy exactly like 90s would have been too old they're like oh that's like way right. back but like, like 2000s we lose, like we would have lost like our me, mind for that's 90s like me night. doing disco night yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey you know it's it, it's a party but no I agree with Caleb it was it was a place to be yeah so not, that was that was an A yeah not quite a plus mm. I was gonna yeah I came in I'm gonna be harsher but they it was a Really good crowd. And then on to Loyola. Little concern pregame. There was big pockets in the corner. I was like, I could see the letters, like where it spells out Rams on um, the seats, like the side of the court. So I was concerned it filled in, though. They had the athletes from other sports that came down at halftime. That helped the student section out. Um, Got really loud for some, again, the Joe Bam before halftime was big crowd energizer. Um I saw some assistant coach, like some staffer, grad assistant, like yelling, pumping up the crowd. Um, second half, some big stops and stuff. So I'd say a B. Like it wasn't electric like Friday, but that's like the standard. Like it was good, nothing spectacular. Anything below that rest of the year, they'll be like C level. See the letter, not fair. Well, that yeah. crowd took a while to trickle in, but it filled out. Yeah. And I saw the box score listed attendance at 7,200. And some change, I think. Yeah, so place that was, that was really loud count. at times in the first half. I mean, Joe Bam was still shot. That place erupted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I agree with you. I thought Kawani's uh, and three. Oh, that, was, that was probably that was, that was probably peak decibels. That was right in front sure. of me. That was so sick. Yeah. Um, I love Kawani. He, he's just been so awesome 
uh, to cover this season for VCU. I, I agree. I thought it was decent crowd, filled in, got loud at times. There were definitely some you know open spaces and stuff, and it's tough. I mean, I don't I don't know if we're ever going to get an A plus on a Tuesday I have a, night. Oh, you know? yeah, I've a forecasted potential A plus Dayton Friday night if they keep winning. It, yeah. it could be top oh, yeah. ten, but um, U of R on. Uh, uh, it's already February sold out. third will be it's a week and a half from now. It's already yeah. sold out. Yeah, so for Loyola, like them coming in the first time with like the Peppas A plus every game, like they probably were like, Oh my god, what yeah. is what is this environment? So, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Good crowd rating from the professor. And uh he's more than a professor at VCU games. I did want to give Chris a major shout out. If you go to Black Gold Fan Pod on Twitter or on Instagram, uh, he's now a credentialed member of the media, going to VCU games, getting some really good content from the sidelines. I mean, Sean Bearso's dunk, I thought we probably had the best video, and cool. we posted it the quickest because uh, Chris was right there on the sidelines. So the professor doing a really good job at the games. Wanted to give that a mention. Crushing Appreciate it. that. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Now it's time for the stat monster, Caleb Jones. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Let's hand it off to Caleb Jones, the stat monster. Today's stat monster theme is about finding balance. In conference only, 2K is 78.6% from three, which is an absurd shooting percentage, and he has a 92.5 true shooting percentage, which, again, is nuts. That is in the 99.999 whatever percentile. Joe Bamisil is 45.5% from three. Sean Bairstow leads a team with a plus-minus of plus 74 a lot of different guys chipping in. But I'm going to let Joe Bamisil explain it himself. I'm very blessed, obviously, to you know uh, be in the position I am to score. But I think the best part about our team is, like, let's not forget, we played two games. Three games ago, I had two, and we won by seven. So it's like our team doesn't depend on one person playing well. Our team doesn't depend on one guy. It's like a collection of individuals. It's a collection of people who all really are connected and want to win. And that's why I feel like there's no there's no ceiling to the team. Um, because once you get too worried about me, Max is going to do something. Once you get too worried about Max, Sean's going to do something. Wait, Kwani's shooting 40 from three. Janelle's shooting 40 from three. Zeb's the, one of the fastest people with the ball I've ever seen. Oh, you, you're pulling out. I was throwing a lot to Toby. Dunk. And don't forget, Firm had a double-double two, three games ago. So, yeah. like- so I felt like I couldn't say it better than Joe Bam did himself. And that got me to wondering, what is our record when we have four guys scoring in double figures, four guys or more? We are eight and four. But I think that there's a little more nuance to that number than you'd really realize just looking at it. Those four losses, we played terrible defense. The first one was Iowa State where we couldn't stop them in the second half at the rim. They, you know, we were up 15. We all remember that, obviously. The second was Memphis. That was a true shootout. And they really have some talented scores, and we had a layup opportunity at the buzzer to win that game. The third and fourth games, you guys will obviously remember at the start of A-10 play when we lost to St. Bonaventure and GW and played, like, historically bad defense. So, my point is, when we have four-plus guys scoring double figures, this team is incredibly dangerous. To go through some Ken Palm numbers to just kind of update and that I found interesting, Um, We are first in the conference in three-point shooting percentage and only ninth in three-pointers attempted out of our field goals attempted. We are fourth in the conference at three-pointers as a percentage of our total points. 
So we are very efficient from three right now. We're taking less. We're making more. We're last in the conference, and two-pointers is a percentage of our points. I attribute that to two different things. One, we don't really have an interior post presence uh, that's going to back you down and score in the paint. And we don't really settle for mid-range jumpers, which kind of leads me into my next point. We are second in the conference in free throws as a percentage of our points and fourth in free throw percentage. So uh, we're attacking the rim, we're getting fouled, and we're making those free throws. Obviously, all very good. From a defensive perspective, we are first in the conference and actually 22nd in the country at allowing assists per field goals made for our opponent. So we're disruptive and we're making them play hero ball. Uh, In conference only, uh, the most assists that we've allowed in a game is 11 to St. Bonaventure. So again, we're the defense is really picking up in terms of making the other team, uh, you know, play one-on-one basketball. Uh, the, and the last thing is we're a third in the A-10 and assists for field goals made, which has been a hallmark for Ryan Odom's offense. But uh, this team is very unselfish and balanced, and uh, I think that you're seeing the chemistry come along. And obviously, like I was getting at with Joe Bam. Uh, you know, this team has some very, very good depth offensively. Really good stats, man. It brought me to my point from earlier this season. You know, when Joe Bam was out, when Barristow was hurt, it was Zeb 15 points a game, Shulga 15 points a game. We're searching desperately for a third score. It wasn't Kwani Kwani. He wasn't making anything. Now we've got those two guys back. We're looking for that fourth score, right? Yep. Because you can pretty much count on those two and then either Zeb or or Max. Uh, one thing that I, I find really interesting that I, I want to see uh, your tracking on this is, you know, you look at the guys on this roster, and we talked about the best lineup. I think my mind has changed for the best lineup. Obviously, the last two games, Joe Bamisle's going off. He has to be in the best lineup. And the way Sean's playing, I think he's your point guard. And so then I would say, I think VCU's been at their best this season when Sean is backing a guy down and he can score there, or he can dump it down low to Toby, or around the outside you have Max, sharpshooter, you have Bamisil, shooter, and can attack, and Kwani Kwani is needed in the lineup now with the way he's played. Yeah, 2K has changed his team completely. Yes. I mean, that How many th- games have we said this year we don't win without him? It's at least three. Multiple. I mean, LaSalle and last night or two. I mean, LaSalle definitely, but uh, last night's. I mean, he had a huge contribution. Uh, Qua- but uh, I hear you on, I mean, Bam obviously – it needs to get the PT right now. I mean, he's the hot hand. Uh, but 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 Kwani has been, you know, he 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 reminded me of Shriver last year, and like Shriver was kind of lost early in the year. Kwani has a big game in December. Finally hits shots against Alcorn State, and he's just kind of taken off since then. He's confident too. He just shoots it and darn goes in. It's yeah. I it, I'm I'm, fe- I'm I'm happy for him because he's a grad. He's a fifth year senior grad transfer. Uh, but it's awesome. But another stat I want to point out in, in, in this segment, Caleb, we're number third in the A10 in a fifty field goal percentage offense and second. In the A10 and effective field goal percentage defense, that is a recipe to win. I mentioned earlier about our, you know we're four and two record wise, competing for a top four four spot. That is a recipe to win the Atlantic 10 to, to compete at the top of the conference to be top five in those two categories. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the next thing that we need to focus on is fouling less on defense because yeah. we're in the bottoms of the conference in that. Stat. Yeah, I was about to say that like last year we tracked Deloach fouls. Like, do we need to do that this year for Toby and? We might Maybe, have to but to- yeah. Toby. Uh, well, after yeah. last night, yeah. Um, I don't know. Toby's done a yeah pretty good job staying out of foul trouble for the most part. Um, you know, last night he was just banging so hard in the paint, 
And uh, well, he had picked up also like two fouls in ten seconds. Yeah, that's, basically. yeah. A couple um, of ticky tacky calls. But yeah, no, I, I just think that, like you were saying, I mean, if if Max Shulga has an off night like he did last night, then you have a guy Bam to score twenty five and pick you up. But and then you know once Zeb comes back, I mean, he can chip into that. Jane L, I think what he had three points last night or four points. He had a plus thirteen in the in the box. So I mean, like, there's just guys that are contributing in different ways, and I think that this team is just much better when you know everyone's doing that. Another point on JNL. Um, did you guys see at the end of the game? You know, he's running up, dribbling the ball out the clock. You know, we're up, was it eight or whatever the whatever the score was, and he was talking some trash to some player on the oil, just like looking at him. Yeah. Like, you can tell he was not in his head saying something, basically saying like "go home" essentially. So I like I like that. You know, I like having a guard who's scrappy, he's pr- protecting the house. You know what I'm saying? Love it. Yeah, no, I mean, he's he's come into this season with some swag, and, and he's been really great as the backup point guard and now, uh, you know, thrust into the starting lineup for the injured Zeb Jackson. The last thing I wanted to mention here, Stat Monsters segment, is feel like we keep talking about fast break points being the missing key. Well, over the last few games, it has gone up. In fact, I would say, you know, since the two losses in A-10 play, look at fast break points. It's probably been double digits every game. Yeah, it's... it's uh. It's definitely gotten better, and I think guys like Joe Bam is still getting out ahead of the break. I mean, that dunk he had with he had he had a very similar play to St. Louis, yeah. And he's he's getting out in transition, and he's so finishing like Berso is the next guy I was going to talk about. And if he's not going to score, he's going to make the right pass to someone that's open. Um, I don't know if two Ks and one three last night came off a of transition. I think, do, was, I, I think that was a set offense. Yeah, I was think. it okay? Or a second chance opportunity. But I do feel like yeah. Bearstow, if he's not going to score the basket, he's able to stop, collect, and m- make the right read. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's super promising. Um, I got one other thing I wanted to to talk about uh, from a statistics standpoint, and that's our strength of schedule. We are fifteenth in the conference in strength of schedule so far. So um, out of fifteen, right? out of fifteen. Now, so it, but. You know, it's. I think that's a little misleading too, because everyone thought St. Bonaventure was going to be good. They beat us like a drum. It's based per- off record, correct? Correct. Current current record. So, correct. Are you saying the so, weakest schedule at fifteen out of fifteen? No, we have the the hardest. No, we've played the weakest we've, yeah, yeah, to yeah. this point. Yes. Right. Yeah. So everyone thought St. Bonaventure was going to be good, and ever since beating us, they can't beat anybody. Uh, and then you have. GW like, might be our second right. best game well, we've I mean, played so far. It, I would say it's a little unfair. We haven't played Dayton or Richmond. Those are the two teams undefeated. Right. I mean, I still think GW and Mason are going to be good. It's, I, I think that Mason will be good, and I think that St. Bonaventure will get get it going. But I yeah, think, I think give it about three more games. I'll be really into looking at that schedule. I think uh, you make a point. Mason's a top, probably a top half team. They're three and three. But like Rhode Island, for example, is three and two, and like like Dayton's played Dayton's played them. So I, I don't think I don't think Rhode Island's I think Rhode Island ends up going like seven and eleven. I really do. But they're three and two right now. So I, I hear you on the misleading part. Uh, but it, it is something to keep track of. Yeah, it's just you know pause for concern slightly. But I also think that some of these teams will get right and some will tank. So that's why I said we had to go four and two in this first six games. Right. <laughs> yep. So we've got two more big games coming up before we record the next podcast, and of course those two. Are on the road. What's it going to take to get a win in Lake Norman, Davidson, Connor? So the Davidson Wildcats. Uh, you know it's year twelve for VCU and eight, and it's year ten for them. Uh, so they played nine seasons. Uh, the last year and a half uh, at Davidson has not been great uh, since uh, Bob McKillop retired. His son uh, Matt took over, and uh, 
right now they're they're one and four in conference play right now. Uh, they play St. Louis as we record this podcast Wednesday around five thirty. They play at St. Louis tonight, uh, so they will be two and four or one and five. When we play them Saturday night prime time. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention something about about playing Davidson, and then I'm getting getting to a stat particularly. I hate playing games at Davidson. Uh, so I want maybe get a little feedback from you guys. All right, as a Chicago Cubs fan, I. Have, my whole life have hated playing games at the Brewer Stadium. It used to be called Miller Park. Now, now it's called American Family Field. And it to me, weird things happen in that ballpark. The ball bounces one way. It drives me nuts. I know Virginia Tech football fans always hate playing games at Boston College because there's like 3,000 people there and it's quiet. Um, I don't like playing games at Davidson. You have the, you know, behind the basket, you have the the diving, the dive team and Speedos trying to heckle people. Everyone in the arena has doesn't white, work. Everyone in the arena has white hair. I mean, everyone does. Um, they sing "Sweet Caroline" like the Boston Red Sox fans. It drives me nuts. And look, Davidson isn't great, but you know, Saturday night that game's gonna be a grind. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there. St- a stat to pay attention. Hold on, one more thing about Davidson while yeah. we're hating on them. I don't respect them because they're not a university. What the <laughs> hell is they're a college? They're a college, just like Davidson <laughs> College, just like William Mary and Boston College. So yeah. that's a good point. Um, something I want to mention. So I mentioned this is year ten of Davidson in the A ten. In the previous nine years, seven of the seven of those nine seasons, they have finished in the top half of the A10. So uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I know now there's not there's 15 teams. If you're in the eight nine game, you're you're middle. You're not you're not in the top half. But they've been seventh the seventh seed or better in seven of those nine years. The two years they weren't were last year where they were the uh, they were the eight or it was the eight or nine seed. They played in the eight nine game, and then t- the 2016 17 seed they were the nine seed. Do you want to know a similarity between both of those teams? Yes. <laughs> uh, do, do you, you want to take a wild guess? Uh, Caleb, you got. I don't. No, I don't. Not good three point shooting team. Really? Oh. Okay. So in the years they they finished first twice, They're, the inaugural season 2014 15, and then two years ago 21 22, they were 25th and 4th in the nation, <laughs> respectfully, from three pointer. Uh, they had a couple NIT years 2018 19, 2015 16. They were, uh, they were 104th, so just outside the top 100 and 137. So still solid. Uh, the year they won the A-10 tournament and received an at-large bid as a 12 seed in 2017-18, they were 28th in the nation. And then back-to-back years, 2019-2020, they finished 7th and 3rd, uh, and they were 33rd and 76th in the nation in three-point shooting. So a lot of top 100, te- lot of top 100 stats, one just outside the top 100. In 2016-17, they, f- they were the 9th seed in the A-10. They were 213th in the nation from three-point land, so th- shooting 34%. Last year, they finished 8th in the A-10. They were 295th in the nation shooting the three ball, 31%. And this is where Davidson, you think a good three-point shooting team. Right now, they're entering their slew game, shooting 32% from three, 221 in the nation overall, and they're 35% in A-10, which is 10th out of 15. Look, I'm not going to say we're going to go blow out Davidson, but this isn't Davidson of two years ago where they have like four guys off the bench you feel like are just going to hit threes. It's going to be a grind. It's a road game. Davidson's still it's, – it's a hard place to play, but this is not – I watch them play, and they still do. Dave, they still make Davidson plays. They still run pretty beautiful offense, in my opinion. They just do not have the shooters that they had that we've seen, like Jack Gibbs, um, yeah. uh, Lee from a couple years ago, Koshyevsky or whatever. Yeah, right? uh, t- 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 <laughs> you know Tyler Kalinowski. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was a dog. If Travion Graham doesn't ro- roll his ankle, John Axel. Yeah, Goodman. John Axel. Goodman, yeah, it's a whole discussion. But I, I just want to throw that out there. Uh, a big stat I will say too: they're fifteenth in the A10 in offensive steal percentage. We can steal from them. We can steal from them. So just throw that out there. What's up, Chris? Oh, no. I just, I thought we, so at the uh, Belk Arena, 
the series is five to three Davidson, and I thought it's like way worse. Like we, I thought it, that's pretty close to five hundred. We've, we've won two straight. We won, we won last year. Remember eight? That it was gr- five and one. Ace yeah. hit that yeah. jumper. We won two, ace yeah. hit the jumper, and then they um they missed a shot at the end. And then two years ago, when they were ranked, they were number twenty five in the nation. We yeah. lost them at home. We went down there. We led like by twelve. They came back, cut it to one. Vince had that. Dunk. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, and then um Mike Brown Brown Jones, Jones yeah. blocked. Uh, it was uh, who's the big boy that won the A ten Player of the Year? Um, um oh, I don't know why. Why his name's blank him? He, oh, he, he, was, yeah. he, he blocked his shot. Uh, remember Vince wore a ch- not Peyton Aldridge. No, not no, not no. the sheriff. I don't know why. Luca Luca Brackovich. Luca Brackovich. Yeah. yeah, but uh, so we won two straight, and then Wade's first year, 2016, we won down. Yeah, there. it says that VCU's won four in a row. Is that right? That's not correct. We we, we yeah. lost at least one in there. But, but okay. look, it's gonna be a grounded out game. It's 8 p.m. CBS Sports Network game. But this is not the Davidson that we've seen with our three point shooting team. I just want to lock that down. Let's play some defense. So Grant Hoffman's their leading scorer, 16.6 points per game. He's an interesting fella. Um, can kind of hit a three-point shot more. He's no. going to go to the basket and, and assist Ugly. guys. His, his it's shot not a good-looking shot. It's disgusting looking. Yeah. He looks um, like he should be in high school music. I mean, look at his look at his shooting stats from uh, in conference play so far. Yeah. He's three for 13. Yeah, 23%. Yeah. Um, Bobby Durkin. Yeah, Dur- Durkin. Kachera can get hot. Um, no, but Huffman's their guy, though. That if you let him, he will keep his dribble alive in the paint. Yeah, he's a, he's right? he's, he's he's good around the rim. He's, he's good crafty. around the rim. He'll set up his team. I hope yeah. we have Zeb back because Zeb can really keep yeah. him under wraps. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I, I think Shulga matches up well with him too, but he's got to stay disciplined. But I mean, they got two or three pretty good shooters. Outside of that, you pack the paint uh, with our guys, but. My X factor is Skogman. To me, he's their best player. He's and healthy. he can step out and shoot well. Um, you know, he, he kept him kept them in that game against U of R that they probably should have won. They had a in and out basket right at the very end there at the buzzer and um ended up going to overtime and then U of R took over. I think the key has gotta be get off to a, a fast start there. You can't let Davidson's crowd get into it. I mean, Connor mentioned it earlier, the guys behind the basket. We'll try to distract you at the free throw line. I just, you know, it's the same thing in almost every road game. You want to start fast. We got, we got to come out and play hard. Uh, t- two years last year was a slog of a game. If you remember, I remember I ended up without my shirt on at my house. Shirt on at my house. There was that play where we couldn't get like five offensive rebounds in a row. And my shirt just came off because I was like yelling <laughs> at the TV. But two years ago, we went, we got up early. We got up like seven at the half, up twelve or thirteen late or in the second half. Unfortunately, Davidson, they were. They were not large team in the NCAA tournament. They were a good team and came back and, and cut it to one, but we won. But it's a tough game. Grind it out. Yeah. Uh, other than covering up Skogman, uh, wherever he goes, just getting the ball out of Grant Huffman's hands is very important because he has 23 assists in conference play. No one else, the next closest guy is eight. Yeah. So he's the head of the snake, and if you kind of isolate him, uh, you know, I think they're going to have some serious troubles offensively. I think it's all about limiting the defensive breakdowns. I mean, Davidson will try to force you to break down so they can get layups. Uh, Got to make them shoot contested jump shots throughout the entire game. And then next Tuesday, the away game, the payback game at St. Bonaventure. Bailey, what you got? St. Bonaventure, after losing at Duquesne last night, they're 2-4 and four in the A-10. So here's some stats, and, and uh, keep track. They they have a Friday ten game. They host St. Joe's this Friday. So when we play them, they will be either three and four, or two and five, and we will be either five and two or four and three. Um, so St. Bonaventure, here's some stats for you. In their six A ten games, so their two wins were against us at the Seagull Center. We were there. It wasn't fun. They shot twelve of twenty two from three. So that's fifty four percent from three. And then last week, they beat Rhode Island uh, by 99-64. to 64. They scored 99 points against Rhode Island at home, went 11-24 from three. So that's 45%. So it's two games where they shot 45%, 54%. 
Want to hear their stats and their four losses? Loss at Richmond, 65-54 is a school score. They shot 5-17, of 17, so 29%. Lost home to Fordham, 80-74, to 74, shot 6-18, so 33%. Lost at Mason this past Saturday, 69-60 was the final score. Went 7-25, so that's 28%. And last night, the final score was 54-50 to 50 at Duquesne. They shot 2-13, so 15%. Mm. So in wins, 54%, 45%. Losses, 29-33, 28-15%. You know, we can expand a little more on that, but, I mean, it's pretty simple. If they're not hitting their threes, they're not winning. And, uh, Mike Adams-Woods, he should be fine by next week. He didn't play last night because he apparently was sick. Oh, I didn't um, know that. So I, I saw that as a scratch. He was a late scratch, apparently. But uh, it, they're in, in A10 play in six games, they're, they're 14th out of 15 teams in the A10 in, shooting from, in two point shooting percentage, 44%. They're 13 out of 15 in defending the two. And it's weird. I think it's really weird for all of us because we saw them live in person. They Our defense was not good that night, but they could. I mean, they were. They swished 11, 11 of their 12 threes, nothing but net. So that's something to keep track of. I know we have an, a game before then. They have a game before then. But uh, it'll be a huge pay, especially if we beat Davidson and get to five and two. It's a huge payback game. For, yeah, j- just very high level. Everyone from the coaching staff with Ryan Odom and on down has to take what happened in Richmond personal. I mean, you cannot forget that game. And, you know, what they did, they came into our house to start conference play and scored the most points that anybody scored in the Seagull Center in what, since it opened, right? Yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, I think it was the most points ever by an opponent. I mean, in Memphis had 85, so that's just one point off, but or a few points off. But still, you got to take it personal. Hopefully, our defense is locked in like it has been the past few games, and uh, you know, hopefully, we get a Joe Bam that game, and uh, you know, yeah, we got some balanced scoring on offense. But um, that's a, that's a that's a big one too because I think that they've obviously shown that they're very beatable. Connor, I'm glad you brought up those statistics from shooting because. I am still deathly afraid of Chad Venning just dominating us. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but he kind of showed that we can be soft inside at times. He just dominated VCU the first time they played, especially in the first half. But I'm more worried about the outside shooting. I, I mean, they like you said, they have not shot well in the losses. They've shot unbelievably well in the wins. Eventually, that number will kind of even out. Uh, but they just have so many different shooters that can kill us. And the defensive breakdowns were the reason we lost. We gave up too many open threes in that game. Yeah, it was a lot of like, I feel like our players were like looking at each other like, hey, who's guarding who? And it, it was an awful, awful defensive breakdown. And uh, look, you know, we'll, we'll be talking a lot about it after, you know, before the Davidson game, after the Davidson game. But if you beat Davidson, you're 5 and 2. And you have a road game at Bonaventure. If you can get to six and two before you host Richmond, and and that, I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself now, but it'll be it's gonna be a huge payback opportunity. And the big thing is, <clears throat> if you're tied at the end of the year and you split, you know tiebreaker will work itself out based off of common opponents and stuff. If you get swept, you're SOL. You know your Bonaventure gets ahead of you if you guys finish tied. So that's that's how huge that is. Yeah, and some of the top teams are about to start playing each other too. I mean Richmond and Dayton this weekend. Um, you know. The schedule for everyone's going to get a little more, uh, you know, difficult. So uh, I think the the standings will kind of will they'll show that. Yep. Last thing I wanted to mention about Saint Bonaventure, the artist formerly known as Jan Farrell goes by what new name, Connor? Os- I- I'm going to butcher it, but Asa S Asam voice. Asa Asamvu. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to. Yeah. I think you're right with Asamvu. Dog just. We cannot let him. Whatever he, right. name he goes by next Tuesday, we can't let him dog us. Yeah. Just, just remember his number. Remember something. Just yeah. remember where he is. Yeah. He's number two, and uh, if he gets an open three, it's probably going in. It's frustrating. All right. Now it's time for this week in VCU history. We hand it off to Connor Bailey. 
This week in VCU basketball history. Every episode, Connor will break down a memorable game in VCU basketball history that took place during this week in time. January 22, 2011. VCU at ODU in Norfolk. Uh, it's 13 years ago. I'm going to start this off. Uh, so we have some listeners here who probably know uh, the v- vintage VCU ODU. And, and my dad's generation will say the 80s because they were in the Sun Belt together. I didn't get to see them in the 90s. We were in different conferences at one point. Uh, but the 2000s, like 03 to 2011, I mean, it was peak VCU ODU. I'm going to put you on the spot, Caleb. Yep. So as we're recording right now, me and you kind of have a similar attire right now. We got the quarter zip on. Quarter zip's very common in basketball. Basketball. You throw on a Dayton game, it's red quarter zips all through. You watch. You look at Villanova's coaching staff, it's like that light blue quarter zip. Manning Brothers. Yeah, it's just a common. <laughs> quarter zip's huge. In a vintage VCU ODU game, what are you wearing to that game? Because me personally, I'm not wearing a quarter zip. I want to hear what you want, what you'd wear. Because I'm I'm gonna provide my opinion in a second. Well, funny enough, I, I'm, this this is gonna go a much different direction than you thought it was gonna go. But in, Let's do it. My Facebook time hop thing or whatever mm-hmm. uh, came up today this morning when I woke up, and it was from 2012, and it's my dad and I sitting next to each other, and one of my buddies, Dan, took Freshman a picture year. behind behind us, and my dad's wearing like a gold t-shirt and i'm wearing a gold cable knit sweater for a gold a gold rush at the stew <laughs> i love it i love it uh but now nah, i'm i'm probably rocking just like uh i know what you're gonna say you're you're wearing a jersey well well you know what i'm saying is but this. i i'm wearing i'm just wearing a tee that i got from uh you know the woodfin yeah and, and i hear <laughs> you so to me vcu ODU, you weren't going to church when you were watching a vcu ODU no. game to me, you're strapping on you're strapping on the work boots. You're putting the hard hat on. Yeah. You're bringing a bag lunch. You're going to war. Yep. VCODU was war. You're not wearing a quarter zip to these games. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was intense. There were fights on the stands. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, VCODU was. If you came home and you didn't have a, a rush in your body, then you you just aren't a fan. Uh, so big game. So little backtrack. 9 10 the year before, uh, ODU won the CAA. They were an 11 seed in the NCAA tournament, beat Notre Dame in the first round, got an NCAA win. VCU lost a heartbreaking semifinal game at the Coliseum that year. Led by 12. We were the five seed. We had split the regular season. Up by 12. They come back for us every time we lose. A heartbreaking loss that stung with us all summer. Um, so we enter uh, CAA play. We're 14-5 we're and five overall. They're 6-1. And one. and we're 14, they're four, ODU's 14-4. They're 5-2. So 6-1 versus 5-2. A game in Norfolk. Our first matchup of the year. Uh, and like I said, you know, ODU's the reigning champs and stuff. They're playing good ball. Brandon Rosell was out for this game with a broken hand. Uh, so game notes, uh, VCU led 31, 27 at the half, uh, for the game, VCU shot 40%, ODU shot 39%. Uh, ODU had 14 turnovers. It was ugly. That, that ODU style, I mean, Blaine Taylor's team, it was like, you get, you get as many offensive rebounds as possible. They had Frank Hassell, Frank the Tank. He was tough. He was hard to guard. I mean, th- th- this, he'd be a bad matchup for this VCU team. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, it was VCU led by four at the half. We're kind of punching him in the mouth and stuff. Um, Jamie Skeen hit a three early in the first half to make it 34-29. Five points was the biggest VCU lead in the second half. Vintage VCU ODU. Very you just didn't you didn't it was hard to go on runs. Uh, ODU led by four on a, a couple times, like three or four times, but overall it was neck and neck the whole second half. Uh, so with about six minutes to go, ODU led 46-45. Ed Nixon made a nice little spin move and a runner to take a 47-46 lead. Uh, ODU doesn't score in the next possession. Then Bradford Burgess makes a three. And I, I have a good friend of mine who was a big ODU fan. He was a he worked for the team, and he he said Bradford Burgess at the it used to be called the TED at the, uh, now it's called uh, TED Constant Arena. He was like Bradford Burgess in that arena just dogs every time, uh, and it's true. Burgess balled out. So we're up four with five minutes to go. ODU calls a timeout. 
Uh, Darius James, their point guard, who was there for like nine years, I felt like. Uh, he makes a little runner, cuts it to 50 to 48. Uh, next possession, freshman Javante Reddick. He hit like four elbow jumpers that game when they were throwing a 2-3 zone. I just, he had a big one uh, to take a 52 to 48 lead with 355 left. Uh, ben Finney, who's a very good player, he's the half brother, either half brother or cousin of Dorian Finney Smith, NBA player. Uh, to start, that that guy was a dog too, Ben yeah. Finney. He was a tough dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, he makes a runner with 336 left, cuts it to 5250. Uh, kickball happens under four media timeout with 311 left. Uh, VCU misses a shot, uh, then ODU misses a shot. Then we have the ball with two minutes left, uh, up to it's 5250, and Joey. Rodriguez hits a big three to go up 55-50 with under two minutes to go. He's pumping his chest. Uh, this is Comcast Sports Network, like telecast. And back in then, you, you got an occasional ESPN game, but like Comcast Sportsnet isn't the best telecast back then. So you can hear the VC, like you can hear the VCU fans in the background. It's like kind of screeching almost. <laughs> uh, I was watching Mr. Chill's video last night. So we're up five uh, with just two minutes to go. ODU misses a shot. Uh, Joey gets fouled with 58 seconds left. Not the bonus. He gets fouled again. 52 seconds left. Actually misses the front end of a one-on-one, which is kind of rare. Uh, ODU gets the ball down five. Baysmore misses a three. ODU offensive rebound because they got offensive rebounds all game. Baysmore misses another three. Ed Nixon gets a rebound. You can hear the VCU fans pumping their pumping their chest. Uh, Nixon hits two free throws to go up 57-50. In that video, I can see my 18-year-old self with my medium Eric Maynard jersey, which you guys know I still wear, yeah. just getting pumped up and stuff. I know exactly where I was sitting. Um, uh, my dad, my dad's sitting down. Like I'm like pumping up. My dad's just sitting down. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, then Darius James misses a shot. Jamie Skeen gets a rebound, kicks it to Joey. Uh, Joey's pointing the crowd. Joey hits a couple free throws, goes up 59-50. This is a big win. Now, we had a bad February that year, but this win helped us because ODU was a top 50 team that year. They were a 9 seed in the tournament. As most people might remember, we got selected in the last four in that year. Uh, we had four wins away from home. Uh, George Mason and UCLA on a neutral site at ODU at Wichita State. This was a huge win, but going on to Norfolk, driving back 60 – like. For VC, vintage VCU ODU, if you were beating the team at home, if, if we were beating ODU late in the game, we always chanted 64 East, vice versa, they chanted 64 West. But when you went to the when you went to down to Norfolk and they didn't get to yell that, man, it was it was one of the best feelings in the world. Fun game. I was at that game too, and I remember it was it started snowing like crazy it on was the way snowing. back. It was snowing. Uh, yeah, that was a very very memorable, awesome game. That's awesome that you brought up this game because I remember earlier in non-com you brought up that UCLA game as one of the big reasons we got into the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament and then made the Final Four. Yeah, it was huge wins away from home that that pay off. But uh, uh, so. 59-50 was the final score, so not a lot of scoring. Who do you guys think was the leading scorer in this game, though? I would Ooh. say big shot Brad. 15 points. Led, uh, was 3-7 from 3. Led, led us in points. Uh, two other double-figure scorers. Um, Joey? Joey Joey had nine points, so he, he was not double-figures. Ed he, Nixon? Uh, Ed Nixon had 13 points, so he was uh, third in scoring that night. What a beast. Hmm. Skeen. Skeen had 14 points. Uh, two threes, 14 points, 10 rebounds, five assists. And are there, who was our other starters? You, you remember Rozell's broken hands. He didn't play that game. Uh, DJ Haley? Uh, no, he was a backup in that game. Put 11 minutes, zero points. Mm, uh, I already said his name, FYI. Not Javante? Javante Reddick started as a freshman really? in the game. Four points, two. Yeah, he had two elbow jumpers. Um, so you just mentioned DJ Haley. Five other players played in this game. Can you guys try it, try it out? Um, well, Rob Brandenburg. Rob Brandenburg played 14 minutes as a freshman. Theus. Theus played 11 minutes as a freshman. Um, Troy. Troy Daniels played three minutes. So two other players. One of them's a walk-on, and one of them, uh, you got to be a VCU sicko to remember this dude. <laughs> you you probably do. He had a sweet dunk in this game. Uh, Eversley? Uh, no, I think that's before. Maybe. Uh, one of them's got a cool job now. Oh, Hinton. David Hinton played seven minutes. All right, this dude played nine minutes. He had a, actually a good game against Kansas. 
Oh. Um, Played for one year. He's from Savannah, Georgia. Oh. Um, Terrence, no. You know who I'm talking about, don't you? Uh, Terrence Santiel. No. Oh. He's gone by Wait, then. Shannon? Toby Veal. No. Toby Veal. Toby yeah. Veal, yeah. He, he had yeah. a dunk in the first half where he just jams it, dude. So that's that's all the yeah. guys, man. But a, a, a fun win. No one on ODU scored in double figures that game. Who was, was really the fun. other guy, Rico McCarver? Was he? Rico, Rico, Rico McCarver. He was, he was, he was a walk-on on this team. I okay. think that dude no, could Rico, jam. Rico had a scholarship. He was a, No, excuse me. He was a redshirt on this team. And then uh, our uh, fresh. Our, this is my senior year of high school. Our freshman year, we he, always changed a free he, Rico. Yeah, because he balled out in the black and gold game yeah, that sickest year. Sickest mixtape of anyone ever that <laughs> Dude, committed yeah. to VCU. I was so excited for yeah, him. He, he was a hype hype guy. Absolutely. This is the Black Gold Fan Podcast, an affiliate of the new sports radio 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. You can get in touch with us on social media at Black Gold Fan Pod. And, in fact, you can DM us to leave us a voicemail. Got a new voicemail today. Let's take a listen. Hi, my name is Jesse. I'm a VCU grad school graduate from 2020. I was wondering whose jersey on the current team would you buy if they sold them at Barnes & Noble? Yeah, I love that question. Um, right now, I'm going Zeb. Cool. Just just out of a thank you for for sticking with us. And I mean, I, I love the player himself. I think he's an awesome dude and a great ambassador for VCU. And, uh, yeah, just a thank you to Zeb, and uh, that's who I'll get. Joe Bam. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. Um, Awad, do you want to go? I mean, I, I was going to say Joe Bam, too, because Deuce Deuce looks really good on a jersey. I'd get the all-white. I love the question, though, because, I don't know, does Barnes & Noble always sell jerseys? Because well, I would I would be stacking up if I had some money like well, that. Well, I think fan favorite would be Toby. Like right now, people oh, they're the chanting Toby, his name. Toby. Yeah. But I'm a former Barnes and Noble employee. I worked there one summer, <laughs> and I got like a 50 percent off discount. It was like the summer before my junior year, so I got a Javante. Oh, so um, you have a jersey. half off? Yeah. Um, I think they stopped selling it because the next year so, is Briante, and then I yeah. I also was gonna say like if they kept doing that, like they used to do one person a year, one usually, number, one yeah. number a year, and I. Say Zeb would be the guy this year, um, and uh, they are selling jerseys now uh, for every, any player. Um, I saw a guy wearing a Kawani Kawani jersey last night. Pa- Patrick, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he left yeah. a voicemail with us yeah. last year. He was right. Do you, he, do you think he got Kwani. it custom made, or do you think they? No, you know, no, they, they, like the they're selling store. it, and I think it might be. No, I forget what the website is. It's on uh, VCU Athletics website. A link to it. And I think that they might get a little NIL piece of that, too. I, I imagine they like have to. I remember so. last year, uh, Ed McLaughlin. Yeah, it's like we're idea, working right? on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ed McLaughlin's working on it. So, so yeah, un- unfortunately, be. because I'm kind of like a sneakerhead Nike guy, um, unfortunately, it's not Nike logoed. Uh, maybe one day. Well, we'll while we're at it, let's go around the room the real quick. Uh, Connor could probably steal this segment for 15 minutes, but I own a Mo Says No shirt. And I have a Bones Highland jersey. How many jerseys do you own, Caleb? I got um, I got two jerseys, and I picked them both up at uh, basketball camp back in the late '90s. I got a Sherman Hamilton '96, Big Mike Rap- <laughs> Raptors, which color guy or play by play guy? Either one played for the Canadian national yeah. team. We could go on about Sherman Hamilton's Big, Big accolades, <laughs> but he was on the '96 team that made the tournament. Sick. And then this guy Barnes. I don't know who he is. I think he was a walk-on, but it's like a sick throwback. It's got that classic VCU 90s look. Can you still wear it to this day? Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, and um, yeah, those are the two jerseys I got. I got a million T-shirts. And then my buddy Zan, who sits next to me at all of our home games, uh, we used to do a thing, and I think we're going to bring it back, where we did our own T-shirt designs Ooh. Uh, with cool 
stuff on the front. One says Mo Alley Mo Problems with some dreadlocks <laughs> on the O. And, like, I mean, just cool stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, um, He went to Jared, where it's someone throwing an alley-oop to Jared Guest and <laughs> dunking it on the jewelry store. Um, house party, and it's got, like, all the players on it with, like, flat tops and stuff. Obviously, Jaquan's on there. That's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. So stuff like that. I actually custom-made a T-shirt my senior year in high school when I was committed to VCU. I don't know where I got this idea, but it's just a giant VCU logo on the back. On the front, it says, Wear something serious. <laughs> nice. I like it. Connor, what was yours? Because I had Javante. That's my one and only. So I got a, I got a, um, Air, my Smedium Eric Manor jersey uh, from – I got it my, so my – 2008, 2009, his senior year was my 16th birthday. We played South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, at home in November. Uh, and my, my birthday present that year was a Manor jersey. It's Russell Athletic. So you know I'm a real fan when I'm rocking Russell Athletic jersey. Uh-huh. Um then my freshman year of college, 2011-12, uh, I was Bradford Burgess' senior year. As like a Christmas present or birthday present or something, my dad got got a number 20 jersey from the bookstore they were selling that year. And then about, I think it was like 2016, I was definitely out of school. I went to Disco Sports in the West End. Um, and per, and I was like, hey, I brought both my jerseys. I was like, can you guys put a name on the back of this? The Mainer one, they, they were like, we're, we don't want to, they were kind of worried they were going to harm it so mm-hmm. they didn't do that but the burgess one they put it on there i mean you guys have seen it dude it's it's, it's nice so yeah. i got those two and then a couple years ago my buddy philip gave me a present it was a number 21 jersey he got as a student like in 2007 or 2008 forget going to so many games pretty sure 21 was lance curse back then right. uh cousin of javon curse nfl player but lance curse played for bcu for a couple years and Good. travion did yeah what was yeah. travion graham 21? he was 21 but this yeah. is the jersey was from like 08 so but yeah he was definitely 21 so i got i got like two i'll say two and a half and you that. got uh, I, Mo Alley Cox football. I got a well, I, yeah, I got a oh, I, dude, I still got my Larry Sanders Bucks shirt jersey. Oh, that's nice. I, I still got that. I, I had a, I had a Maynard Jazz shirt jersey, Maynard Thunder jer- shirt jersey. I do what, have the uh, game worn shorts from the Final Four year too. That's those cool. are sweet Nike. What was really? Yeah, you they're, those? they're massive. You know how the style is. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like, like you I, should frame them. Pooping. I wore them to bed like well, probably like a year or two ago. <laughs> and, and, and my wife was like, "What the." What do you wear? <laughs> I was like, aren't these tight? Game worn, baby. <laughs> they were they, they were so poofy, dude. She was like, like they're not tight. <laughs> Connor, do you remember the sophomore jersey? Because it went Burgess, then Javon, Skippy. I think it was ten Theus. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, year. that would make sense. All right, it is time for Awad's energy. It's time for Awad's energy. What about VCU hoops? Has Awad pumped up for this week? My energy's a, a big screw you to the NCAA. I mean, watching Joe Bamisil these last two games, my goodness. <laughs> what would our record be if he was allowed to play game one? It is so frustrating. I tried to explain it to my mom last night because she was watching the game and then called me after. She, like, fell in love with Kwani Kwani, and she's like, man, this Joe Bamisil guy is really good. How come I never heard of him? So I had to explain the whole court case to her, and she's a lawyer, so she totally understood why the judge threw it out and said, hey, let the kids play for this season. Um, and, and so that's what my energy is about. I mean, Joe Bamisil just looks like it goes in whenever he releases the ball. Uh, I thought that was the play of the season, if not the play of the last two years, that half-court shot um, from Joe Bamisil. The way he caught it and, and threw it behind the back, it pulled up. The momentum shifter that it was was so awesome. So my energy is all about Joe Bam. I want all of us uh, to give our take on I'm going to botch this a little bit because I don't have the direct quote, but I know he told Robbie after the game something like, 
when I release the ball, it's in God's hands. I'm not affected by the outcome. And I think that's just like the coolest answer ever for a shooter. Yeah, I mean, that's the mentality you have to have. I mean, shooter shoot. Joe clearly has that, you know, he's got a quick memory, you know, like he's going to let it fly. And, uh, you know, that makes him a really, you know, talented offensive threat. Let it fly, baby. Yeah, get those FGAs up. Keep shooting. Yeah, no, seriously. Uh, I mean, we talked about it earlier. When he plays 20-plus minutes, he's scoring double digits. Uh, You know, I I said it last pod. I called it right before the St. Louis game. I came up to your seat, Caleb, and I said, Joe Bam, 20 points. You did. And then he hit it, and I was looking right at you. Yep. And so that was a ton of fun, a, a lot of good wins, and hopefully the Rams can keep it going. Let's start with Chris Mason here for... Our final thoughts. Know your role and shut your mouth. Uh, Caleb, you go first. I'm thinking. <laughs> know your role uh, and we'll shut We'll defer to Connor. Mouth. Know your role and shut your mouth. Third of the way through the A-10 season. We're four and two. Uh, we have a little five-game stretch here uh, where we, we play five games kind of in a row. You know, weekday game, weekend game, and then we have a week off before we go to St. Louis, and then that starts the last seven games of the year. Uh, so, but you know, it's one game at a time. Let's go down to Davidson, Lake Norman. Uh, you know, you you guys think U of R's like uppity and whatnot? <laughs> Lake Norman, North Carolina, that's a different world. Like I said More earlier, Southern. Every, yeah, everyone <laughs> like Bob McKillop's hair. That is the whole crowd. And, and look, he's a silver fox. I give it to him. But let's go down there. Let's 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 piss that you know the college students off, if you will. Let's piss them off. Let's get a road win. Get to five and two. Yeah, uh, news came out today, U of R game sold out, so the stew's on its way back, the energy's there, let's keep it going. Love that. Um, my energy, or my final thought is we need some. We need Max Shulga to get back to producing. Um, love to see him score 15-plus in our next two games. And interior defense, you got to limit their bigs, Skogman and then Chad Venning again, because... Uh, the first time did not go so well for Toby and Furman. So need those guys to have a solid defensive outing. My final thought is I want to play a little bit of audio from my mic drop moment from the post-game press conference against St. Louis. Sean and Max, how do you guys feel about nickname 7-Eleven? Open 24-7 for buckets. <laughs> <laughs> Someone mentioned that a week ago. Yeah? Yeah, that was the first time. I was, this is the first time wearing 7 in color. So, I mean, I'm a fan of it. Chris, you were there. How cool is it that they love the nickname 7-Eleven? It's great. It's great. Yeah. I, so we've they got East 7-Eleven. Do we have a nickname for Bamisil or any of the other guys? Um, He's just Joe Bam. I said yeah. Joe. I like I Joe Bam goes ham for the Ram. That's cool. <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, Ed Nixon's got white magic. White for, magic. I'll, I'll, for I mean, it, he ain't wrong. That's man. the best yeah. one. I've been calling him the bear. Yes, Chef. I've been Thank calling you, him Stowe. I don't know why. Stowe. Yeah. I like Stowe. Um, yeah. Shulga doesn't really have a nickname, except J-L. for that every announcer calls him Shuga. I call him Shulg Knight. Shulg Knight. <laughs> there dude, we go. Dude, I, I texted you earlier. I was getting uh, a suit tailor today, and the tailor is Ukrainian. And uh, mm-hmm. we were just kind of chatting, and I was like, I'm a big VCU men's basketball fan. I was like, one of our guards is Ukrainian. She's like, what's his last name? I said Shulga, and I, you know, I spelled it out for her, and she was like, she kind of gave me a little like pump up. You know, She was she was hyped at, uh, you know, she has some family here and such, like but yeah, that. it's it's fun, man. We got Big Firm down low, Toby One Kenobi. Yeah, uh, just a really fun roster. I mean, these guys really seem like they enjoy playing with each other and get along with the coaching staff, and hopefully, it will lead to good things in March. Go Rams, go! We appreciate you listening to the show.